Brian Mudd. Download your iHeartRadio app and turn up News Radio 610 WIOD. At one time, trade schools were considered a place where kids who couldn't get into college could learn a skill that would lead to a solid, but maybe not high-paying job. Now, they may be the ones with the best financial prospects. I wanted to do something that paid well and you could get right out of high school. That was very much a necessity. Aiden Lanning is learning to be an HVAC technician at a trade school in Auburn, Ohio. Brian Bontempo is a superintendent. These students, not only do they have great skills, they have a little leverage, too. Starting pay nationwide now averages in the $60,000 range. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, and uh, we talked about that element a little bit earlier in the show about how you have a lot of high school grads that are are making every bit as good as money now in this environment as as college graduates, and uh, you know you have more hiring managers realizing, hey, you know, I, not everybody needs to have a four year degree, and they're finding success as well with that model. Well, uh, speaking of education. We have a whole lot to talk about, and joining us to talk about what's going on in Broward is Broward School Board Member Lori Elhadef. Thanks for taking the time with us. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, doing well, and uh, so much to talk about. Obviously, a lot of news involving the Broward School District, And uh, but first, I, I wanted to to pick up on information that was brought forward by a Sun Sentinel report that I know is near and dear to you. That is the Safer Watch app in the adaptation by educators across our state. According to the Sentinel report, only 16% of educators are using the Safer Watch app that's designed to provide emergency safety information in the event of a threat inside of a school. This, of course, came about as part of Alyssa's Law, of course, named after your daughter lost in the attack at Stoneman Douglas. Your thoughts about the Safer Watch app in the light adaptation by educators? So I think that we need to just keep in mind that Alyssa's Alert, this is a, a new type of program. This is just being rolled out. You know, according to the law, it had to start to be rolled out in the start of the school year, and that's what we've been doing. You know, it, it's typical that it does take some time for everybody to get on board and we are using proactive measures to educate teachers on what Alyssa's Alert does do and what it doesn't do. And, you know, it's so quickly to be able to download this panic button app, and, you know, it could potentially save someone's life in an emergency situation. So why would you not want to put Alyssa's Alert on your phone? You know, one of the things is that, people think that it's tracking them when they're off campus, and that's not true. It's not tracking them, and it only works when they're on campus. It's geofenced to the area, and then once the teacher pushes the button, then it is finding their location on campus so law enforcement or EMS know exactly where to go. That's an important note because, uh, to your point, to the extent that I saw dissent, people seem to think, oh, this is gathering data about us and, and on private time and uh, wherever we're going, and, and you are certain that's not the case. Correct. Correct. All right, so as you continue the, the information flow here, you, you believe that there will be greater adaptation uh, across the state? Oh, absolutely. You know, I this is this is new. 
Um, but this is a, a life-saving measure to speed a crisis response in a either active shooter situation or medical emergency so they can get onto the scene as quickly as possible. You know, on February 14th, I texted my daughter, Alyssa. I told her to run and hide that help was on the way. You know, unfortunately, that help didn't arrive fast enough, but we can learn from this, and we have this life-saving tool now to empower our teachers to push this button and know that help will be there as quickly as possible. And, of course, as part of your passion to help ensure that what your family experienced isn't experienced by any other families, you uh, became a, a member of the Broward School Board. And, uh, well, we got a lot of issues there that are being worked through right now. You've consistently been the dissenting vote against the Broward School Mask Mandate Policy, which it remains in effect uh, after even Thursday's hearing before the Florida Board of Education, where you know, Broward was found to be in violation of state law. First, about the Florida Board of Education's determination. What are your thoughts there? So, uh, as you know, I was the dissenting vote. Um, I, you know, believe that, you know, we are, we're not following the law by making it mandatory for our students to wear masks in school. You know, we need to make, have, be in compliance with the state law to give that opt-out option and parental choice to make those decisions for their children. And so I don't think that we are in compliance. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that is happening. Um, but as you're you know, fully aware, you need five votes to, to make a change in decision on something. Has there been any indication of movement since the board's determination, especially since the state's taken the added step of also deciding to withhold from the Broward School District the federal money which had been provided to offset the state reductions equal to the salaries of the Broward School Board? So, unfortunately, no, not at this point. Um, It still stands the way it is. Um, The school board wants to see the numbers for COVID positivity go below 3%. And, you know, I... I, I really I struggle with that decision, um, you know, because if this week it's 3% and then, you know, what happens if it jumps back up to, to 8%? Now, you know, are we going to be flip-flopping, going back and forth, no mask, mask? You know, we need to follow the law. The law is the law. And give parents a choice to opt their child out from wearing the mask. We're not saying don't wear a mask. We, you know, if you feel as a parent, that the mask is is going to give uh, more protection for your your child than wear the mask. But other parents, they they don't want their child wearing the mask. Lori, uh, you had spoken very positively when last we we talked about then incoming interim school superintendent Dr. Vicki Cartwright, and now the consideration is before the the board to extend her a permanent opportunity with the uh, Broward School District. I was interested to get your thoughts on it. So I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Um, I feel like this should have been workshops first, um, but it is being brought forward as a vote. And I'm, I'm interested in hearing from my colleagues on, you know, how they feel about this. Dr. Cartwright has been doing an amazing job but again, once she was hired, she was hired as an interim superintendent, and we're doing a national search 
for superintendents. So I think it's very important as school board that we follow this process and that we bring in the community into the conversation to, to vet out who this next superintendent, the permanent superintendent, will be. Lori, do you feel generally that you're making progress relative to where you were when you came into your post on the Broward School Board? Absolutely. I've been on the school board for three years about. And, you know, for me, it's those small little wins that will, you know, add up to, to bigger wins and, you know, bigger successes and, and making a difference here in Broward County Public Schools. And um, I'm absolutely uh, certain that, that I am making impact and making a difference. And I am going to be rerunning for school board district four in the 2022 election. That is good to hear for sure. Uh, from my perspective, and I know many listeners as well. Well, thank you so much for the time and the information, as always. Truly appreciated. Thank you. All right, and we will obviously monitor what's going on with the Broward School District and that whole situation later on today as well, along with the City of Miami's meeting at 2.30 that will announce... I guess, next steps in the ouster of Police Chief Art Acevedo. A lot going on. All right, today's Q&A of the day. It's an idea of Florida property tax reform and what that might look like. We're going to dive into it next here on the Brian Mudd Show, News Radio 610 WIOD.